Today on Training Group Live, shooting classifiers and getting a good score while in a match can be tough to accomplish at any level. Cody Axon and Jason Bradley join the conversation to share some ideas on how they train for classifiers and the mindset that goes into shooting them well. After the paywall, Cody and Jason discuss how they start their season, ramp up their training, and how they choose what they want to focus their training on. Welcome to Training Group Live, your home for all things practical shooting. So make ready, it's time to train. Welcome to Training Group Live. Today, we have a new face, a new voice. Yeah, it wouldn't be a new face. Uh, we have my good friend and host, maybe. Is that the way to say it? Cody He's Axon. A, a dear friend. is, is Oh, the dear word friend. I'm very sorry. I can't believe you messed up. I've only I've only called you that like 150 times, and, very and you sorry. still messed it up. But yes, very sorry. Thank you, thank you for having me, Joel. Yes, of course. Thank you for coming. Uh, and Jason Bradley, a familiar voice. So, yeah, you have to say hi or something. They don't. They can't see you. Hello. Like, throwing gang signs and stuff. Uh, That's me. Okay, guys. Today I brought you a topic. I want to talk about shooting classifiers. Uh, more so than like just zero or hero. Obviously, most people want to get a higher classification, but it's easier said than done because, of course, you're not just going to like go to the match, hammer. Well, maybe you could hammer on the classifier a bunch. And eventually, you're going to get one you like. Like you're going to get one try. There's going to be a bunch of different classifiers, a bunch of different skills tested, and uh, there's I think quite a bit of strategy that goes into it more than just walking up to it and you know shooting the targets. Just you know shoot the targets fast and don't miss. It's not quite that easy, I think. So um, there's a couple classifier talk-throughs on Training Group that are quite good. Um, those are worth definitely worth watching to talk about the skills and uh, techniques to kind of approach specific classifiers. But I kind of want to just talk about shooting classifiers in general. Because, I, I mean, like, Cody, you and I have shot many classifiers together. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot, but it's like you shoot this match and you get four stages in and they're all just stages. And then you get to this one stage that's like, it's just another stage, but it's not. And it doesn't really, like, oh, maybe it doesn't even matter as much about your score for the match. You know, maybe it's it's lesser points in some big field course, but you're going to be, like, really nervous, you know, and you want to do well. All of a sudden, it's, like, for real life. Is that fair? Yeah. No, I remember the, because every year our club has the all-classifier match in May, mm -hmm. uh, where, where we shoot six or seven classifiers all in one match, where typically we shoot, like, one classifier a month, if that, for the rest of the year. Uh, so I remember one year, a few years ago, when you and I were both trying to make GM, uh, we set up three classifiers in one day that we, we knew we were going to be shooting the next day or like two days later at the yeah. classifier match. And uh, I don't think either of us classed up at that match from what I recall. I think, I don't think that was the year that you made GM. I think that was maybe the year before and it was a couple years before I made it. So I don't think uh, either one of us knew what we were doing, honestly. No, we were, we were, we were trying, but, uh, yeah, we, we hadn't quite figured it out yet. All right. So. Guys, should we be, do you think, like, is that the right route? Would you guys set up a classifier to, like, oh, the match is going to have El Prez. I'm going to set that up and train on that for a week or dry fire on that for a week? Or, like, how do you guys train up for classifiers? What does that look like for you? Jason, I'll kick it to you first. You're being fairly quiet. Um, so I have done that. I have set up a somewhat of a mock classifier and dry fire. Um, uh, it's probably more the first year or two I was shooting. Um, and then in live fire, I've, I don't think I've ever really set one up. Um, I think on the last podcast we talked about like the, the, um, the one that we all shot at, uh, free state, that one that's the kind of, they or like this day, up. I think it's what yeah. it's called. Yeah. So for that one has the, um, the tuxedo and the partial. So I have seen that where I would put those targets out there and just kind of get used to transitioning to those targets. And I would do it at the distance that, you know, that that would be at, I've never set one up. I don't think completely. Except for, um, I mean, if you do the standard practice setup, you're always, all you got to do is just step back 10 yards and turn around, and then you can do the El Prez. So I've done that one quite a bit. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've done it. I think um, they're good to practice. They basically help you work on your, the, the basic fundamental skills of shooting, you know, transitions or, you know, draw, transitions, reload. And so uh, if you're setting them up, because you know there's a classifier match and you're trying to set them up to level up. I, I, I don't know that that's wrong. Um, 
So I don't know. I don't know if that's a good answer or not, but I think it's fine. Cody, we set him up for a couple years, then I think we just stopped at one. I don't know what happened. At one point, we just stopped. Oh, I should back up, by the way. Cody uh shoots at my club also. So I he's a local guy to me. So we shoot together, you know, fairly often, whatever. Uh Cody, we set up classifiers a bit to go pound on him. And then at some point we just stopped. I think we decided it wasn't productive. Yeah. So what do you think? I, so okay, so to back up, uh like for me, I started shooting in 2014. And for the first like probably two plus years of, of shooting, like I only cared about making GM. Like I I had no problem at all with I I can I'll go to the match and get embarrassed as long as I'm a GM. Like I don't care. I'll be a I'll be a paper GM. Does not matter to me. That's all I want. And uh, that wasn't happening for me. I wasn't making GM, and uh, I was just like looking at the timeline and realizing that was just gonna that was just gonna continue on forever. So I'm like, all right, I probably should practice the other things and get good at the sport in general, and then probably the GM thing will come eventually. Um, so I was like for a very long time. I, I remember the very first time I, so I got my members membership at our range ENGC, and uh, my very first practice session, I went up, I went out, and I set up. Uh, Front sight two, because that was the classifier that we were shooting at the match that weekend, I think the next day, uh, which is front sight, except with no shoots on it. And then I took the no shoots off and then I, I practiced El Presidente. So like from the very first time I ever could could live fire practice, practicing classifiers was like the very first thing. As, as set up to the diagram was like exactly what I did. Uh, do I think that's productive? Like, should people do that? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it... I don't know that it was strictly was speaking was productive for me at the time when I first was starting off. Uh, I think that I think that that way of doing it can be counterproductive, particularly the way that I was doing it. Cause I was like, I'm, I just started the sport. I, I was like three months into shooting at this point. I'm like, okay, I want to make GM. So I'm going to go out and set the classifier up that we're going to shoot this weekend. And I'm going to, I'm going to hammer on it until I can get a GM score on it. And I was like, I've been dry firing for like a month at this point. And I was like, I don't even care. I'm going to make GM right away. Uh, these people don't, don't even know what's going to hit them. So I would just go out and just hammer on it. And I think that one, I might not have even like that whole day gotten a GM score on it. Cause I think it was a really high hit factor and it's really hard. Uh, and yeah, I did that for, for a long, long time. Um, and didn't really get that close to being GM from doing that. Uh, what, what did happen was I just stopped focusing on it and I got better at all the things in the sport. And now I actually will still occasionally set up classifiers uh, like before free state, I did, I did shoot up that, or I did set up that, uh, whatever it was called. Joel, you knew the name. Uh, for, for this day, I think for this day, for that yeah. day, for this day. Yeah. For this day, I, I did set up that classifier and shoot it before the free state match. Um, but when I go out, when I do it now, like it, when it, it used to be, I would set up a classifier and just hammer on it until I get a GM score. Now I can set up a classifier and I just shoot it normal, like shoot it really relaxed and shoot it how I would any other stage in the match. Like I'll do that in practice. And nine times out of 10, what I'm proving myself is like, I'm a GM. Like I, I get good scores like the first time I do it. And it's like, okay, that's what I need to do to like, just shoot, just shoot this stage because you've developed the skill. Like you're good enough. Like not Joel smiling at me. Cause this is, this sounds kind of cocky, but it's true. No, no, no. Like, I've, I've got should, a good rebuttal, but continue. This, this like this should be what happens when it, like if you are if you're a GM and you're placing like a GM in matches like you should be able to set up a classifier just shoot it and hit a GM score on it. Okay. And so if you're go ahead, no go ahead Joel. Well, that, that sounds all well and good. I mean we're all GMs now. Let's go back to B class Cody. Let's let's back this up just let's back up the timeline just a tick. Yep. You're B class Cody. You want to make you're going from B to GM probably. You know let's be real or. You know, whatever. Let's say realistic. You're trying to be. You're trying to be A class. Would you tell B class Cody to go set up classifiers? Is that a productive use um, of your time or not? No. And would, for, and would B class Cody listen? B yeah. B class Cody did not care what I had to say for a while. No, and B class Joel, Joel didn't care what I have to say either. So. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like it was just like someone to hang out with. Yeah. And we each like we're both on the range. We're both in the same bay. We're both shooting, but. We're both kind of doing our own thing, I suppose. Yeah, neither of us, neither of us wanted to hear any feedback from anybody else. Uh, it was basically just about trying to beat somebody else. Uh, no, it, like in retrospect, I was not in a place where 
I was was doing the right things with setting up classifiers for it to be a productive thing. So, again, like if you set up a class, like B class, uh, whatever, Joe B class, um, Joe B class wants to make A class. You go up, you go out, you set up a classifier. Uh, you just do what I said. Like you just just shoot it, just shoot it normal, see what what it is. Maybe let's just say the first time you shoot it, it's like an eighty or what's what's B class max out at sixty five. A class is 75 to 85%. So let's say it's like a 70% run the first time you shoot it. You're like, okay, that's like solidly B class. I want to make A class. Rather than go out and like try and hundo this thing and like just go nuts, like just look through the timer and figure out like, okay, what's what's my low-hanging fruit here? What's, uh, am I dropping too many points? You know, maybe that 70% run's pretty consistent for you. You can shoot it like two or three times in a row. I would start digging back and working backwards instead of, again, I'm just going to go faster and just hammer this thing and shoot it which again was what I did and not what I would recommend other people do. I don't think it was productive rather than just hammering it and hammering it, like actually look at what can I do better to improve my score on this. For a lot of people, it's going to be the draw, the reload, the transitions. So, okay, my draw is a little slow. Let me just do some draw drills. Like if it's a turning draw, let's say it's El Presidente. Let me just do draw and, you know, do a turning draw and fire two shots and just try and get that to like a reasonable time that I'm happy with that I think would, would give me the score that I want. Now let me do some reloads and do that, you know, get, until I get get a time that I'm reasonably happy with. Um, and then, you know, go back to, to shooting and just try and get that a little bit better. Don't try and do 100% on that day because, uh, I don't know, it's just a path to broken dreams from my experience. Like, I think there is, there is something to be said for, like, pushing and just figuring things out. But I don't necessarily think that classifiers that when you're trying to classify, I don't think that's necessarily the place to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I don't know. If I could go back and talk to, like, the B-class version of me, I'll be real with you. I'm pretty lazy. I mean, I've got, like, the brass shoot where I had, like, a tarp I'd lay on the ground before. So to go out and measure all that crap, I don't know, man. Just, like, now I kind of if, – if I could go back – well, okay, so we did the the For This Day classifier last year at that uh, – what was it? The Free State match we were all at. I set that up kind of roughly just because it was an easy way to train those skills – that I wanted to train. So, okay, I need to work on a tuxedo target. Okay, I need to work uh, strong hand only at a partial target. I didn't measure those things off. I just kind of eyeballed it. I didn't even pull up the diagram. I just saw like a video of previously, like the, the class for being like, yeah, okay, it kind of looks like this. I kind of just set it up. I didn't measure out anything. I just kind of guessed. And I was just trying to work on those skills. So, okay, shoot really fast, load, switch the gun to my weekend, and then try to shoot really, really carefully and just try to center them up on the target. So I don't know, like we did a lot of setting up classifiers. I don't think I would mess with it now being real with you for the most part. Um, I think there are some good things that comes with that because, uh, cause we get to like the stuff that goes wrong. I know my perception of time is not to be trusted and I'm going to feel really slow and stuff. And uh, I mean, like I'll be real with you. There's a lot of classifiers I shot that I was trying to get 150% score on. And if I would have just shot it like that setup in practice, I would have known that I was going way faster than I needed to go to get a good score. So I suppose there are some benefits for setting it up. Um, but go ahead. What's your read on this, Jason? Well, you know, something that I was thinking about, um, I didn't really set a lot of them up. I did. I'm sure I set something up. But I mean, like I said, I would set up um, something that was in that that thing like i said the no shoot you know where half the a or the um the partial half the a zone's got the no shoot on it you're going to see that in a ton of matches you're going to see tuxedos in a ton of matches you're going to see headshot only in a ton of matches so i think it's great to actually say if you want to set up a classifier because it's usually a few targets it's super easy to set it up to practice the skills um of shooting but the other thing i did that one thing i did do was is i would go okay this is 99 11 and um Cody, that stands for 1999. And um, <laughs> I, I knew that. Joel's the one who didn't know that. Oh, was Joel the one that didn't know yeah. that? Oh, my bad. Joel, I'm sorry. So, I don't, I don't anyways, care. Anyways, like, um, I remember hearing that and I was like, real quick, I'm going to go back to that. I remember when you guys first started and for the first year or so that Cody was uh, only an M class only, Cody was like, yeah, I didn't make it this weekend either. It was just, it was just, you could just hear it in his voice every week when he would come <laughs> on and did not make GM from the class. We had a class fire match and I needed two GM runs and I would have been, I mean, we, I had to struggle with the same thing, dude. But it was just, 
that, that you talking a minute ago kind of brought me back to that. But um, okay, so what I would do though is I would set up. Okay, so I know the high hit factor on this. I don't know the exact math, but I'm going to throw the numbers out there. Let's just say it's ten. Uh, so my draw is going to take a turn and draw to a 10 yard target is going to take 1.2. And then I know the reload should be 1.2. So figure out, you know, 60 points divided by 10 gives you how many seconds you have to shoot the classifier. So then you subtract the draw time, the, the reload time. And now you've got, I guess you've got how many split uh, eight splits after that, two, four, six, 12, 10, 10 splits. I'm not good at math. Uh, you got 10 splits after that, so you can divide the rest of that time by by what's left after you subtract the draw and the reload. So I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's a lot of time for each one of those splits. And, you know, some of, there's going to be some splits and then a transition. So what I would do is I'd go, I'd even just write it down on a piece of paper. Okay, turn and draw, 1.2. Split on the first target, 0.2. Transition, 0.25. Split, 0.2. Transition, 0.25. Split, 0.2. Reload, 1.2. And then I would do it again for the second second uh, string after the reload and i would just say those are those are metrics that you can do you can do splits at one at 0.2 and you can do a transition at 0.25 and if you're a little slower on one you'll probably be under a 0.2 on some of the transitions so and then if you just so i did that for every classifier i shot when i would see what it was instead of setting it up i would just go through it in my mind and write it down what it would take to do it now knowing that is helpful especially if you go out and practice it, because then you can set something up and practice that and see where you're at. But then you've got to execute it on game day. And like we've talked about, a lot of times there was, I've done this a hundred times in practice. I'm a GM in practice, right? And then classifier time comes and uh, yeah, I know it's another stage, but I mean, it really I mean, counts all of a sudden. It really counts all of a sudden. But I, I think we all three probably were guilty of as pretty much everybody is. I really want to win this match because I want to beat this guy or I just want to shoot a really good match. But the classifier is kind of separate. Even though it's still another stage, I've, I have accepted that I'm going to go crazy on this stage. And we'll just see what happens. And so that's what most people do. And, and when you can finally get control of that, like Cody was kind of saying, you're going to see a lot of... Um, you're going to be surprised that, oh, wow, I don't have to go crazy and I actually shot that a lot better. And it worked out. There were times uh, earlier in my shooting career where if it was a five-stage match and classifier was going to be like the third or fourth stage, the stages before that were just getting me warmed up for the classifier. It didn't really matter what happened on those. Yeah. I was just getting warmed up and getting tuned up so I could go, you know, knock the back out of this classifier. Yeah. So, And if your classifier was the first stage, you were like, oh, I guess I'm not going to no, make I would not. Time. I knew what squad it was going to be on, so I wouldn't squad. Like, <laughs> I would pick, you know, like the beta Absolutely. squad on that I knew I wouldn't have to start that first thing. Yeah, See, no, most, I remember, matches, most matches I, remember, I shoot, they would get, they would sign you a squad and then tell you what bay to go to. So you had no way to, to do that. Yeah, no, I remember specifically squatting uh, so that, like to put the classifier at the optimal time during the match, mm -hmm. because it was the most important thing to me was doing well on this classifier. Like, like Joel said, like the rest of the match doesn't even matter. It's like, whatever, I got fifth place, but I had a M class classifier. So like, it doesn't even matter. Like I, I just want to do well on the classifier. Mm-hmm. Not um, yeah, I mean, so to to jump to the end a little bit, uh, the way I ultimately made GM was uh, by just shooting the classifiers like they were something like they were another stage in the match. It also helped that every classifier that I I made GM with my top six at the time were all 2018 series classifiers. And this was like 2019. Um, so, I mean, we can get into it a little bit if you want. Uh, how USPSA changed the system for setting the high hit factors to where uh, they, it's kind of ridiculous how they do it now, in my opinion, where was it the top 10 or the top five, like ever are averaged together to make the high hit factor. I honestly don't have any idea. I think that's what it is. Um, something and, like that. Yeah. In, and they, that's a rolling thing. They update like once a year or something like that. Uh, so that's, that's not really reflective of reality for a lot of those classifiers especially the really easy ones. Because uh, if you just tee off and go nuts on those, like you can get really, really high hit factors on them. Uh, so, you know, you'll have people in, in their club matches trying to show off for their buddies and Instagram or whatever, and just they'll, they'll crush one because they don't really care. It's like if they, if they crush it, great. If they, if they screw up, it doesn't really matter. Uh, and then as a result, you get these high effectors that are slightly ridiculous for some of them. Um, and then 
I think that the 2018, do they, they had, yeah, they had a couple of new classifiers in 2019. And then especially the 2020 ones, I think are some of the best classifiers uh, they'd come out with as, as far as being reflective of the skills for, for, for the sport. Uh, the new classifiers don't really have as much of an opportunity to to just hammer them and have some ridiculous score because it's a lot of movement. It's a lot of like partial targets. It's a lot more reflective of what like, if you are making GM on the 2020 classifiers, then you are a GM. Like You're going to perform well in matches. Uh, so I don't really remember where I was going with that, but <laughs> I guess I guess the, the, the point being was that I like. In order for me to make GM, I had to overcome the the that tendency that we're talking about, where you just want to go 100, you know, 110 percent, you know, 110 percent is my fast. Let me go 120 percent. Let me go 130 percent. Like I had to drop that attitude because that was not productive. And uh, the only way that I ever made GM was to just be like have the skills to do it, and then just shoot normal. And then once my G, once my ability in matches was actually GM level then I made GM so it was you know kind of funny how that works out yeah uh okay let me throw this out there and you guys just tell me what you think what is if you're gonna have a reshoot on a stage you go through the stage and you end up popper doesn't fall activator uh, dog ate homework whatever it doesn't work out you have to reshoot the stage you don't have a choice rock in your shoe sun was in your eyes perfect what is the one thing that is likely to cause you problems What's the one thing most people miss? Or maybe you guys would disagree with this. On a reshoot? Yeah. Visualizing it again and treating it like it's the oh, first time you shot it. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, bingo. Exactly what I wanted you to say. I love it. Uh, okay. So, yes, if, like, if, you're, if you, you have a stage you mess up, then how often, like, have you seen somebody, they just, oh, no, 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 I can go again now. I can go again now. They hurry up and they patch the target. The guy goes, maybe he has a couple other mags or he, Hurries up like his buddy stuff his mags. He'll throw it up on his belt. Yeah, yeah, I'm ready. Let's just I'll just go now. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready. And then what happens? He forgets a target. He you know he looks like lost. The buzzer goes off. And like, oh cool. I, like what am I? Oh yeah, that way. But that kind of stuff happens. So one of my thoughts on classifiers and the reason that people have that problem is like you said they don't visualize it. It's not something new. It's something familiar. They've already shot this stage. What do you think about not setting up classifiers or not shooting them a ton? because it becomes too familiar that then when you get, you know, you shoot uh, El Prez, can you count, and whatever you pick out, you shoot it so much that it's like, yep, I got this, I'm comfortable with this. And then you go to the match and all of a sudden you're just comfortable. And I suppose that could be a good and a bad thing. It could be a good thing and that you're not intimidated, but it could also be a bad thing that you've already shot it 20 times. Maybe you lack the visualization. Maybe it doesn't seem like a new stage that you have to really focus on. I don't know, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that, uh, particularly when it comes to setting up classifiers that you know you're about to shoot. Like if your club posts, you know, maybe the week before what what classifiers coming up in this match or if you're going to a level two and they have in the match book, they're going to set up they're going to shoot this particular classifier. I don't think that's a good time to set up a classifier and work on specifically that stage in the exact way it's going to be set up in the match. Uh, I think, you know, it could be a good time since it is a, a fixed thing and, and maybe it is at a section match like we were talking about. We, we had uh, one of them at a section match. I think it is a productive thing where you could set up the same types of targets and kind of the same skills and work on the same skills in some way that's slightly different enough where you're not actually judging it against the high the high hit factor. Because um, like Joel's saying, if you if you hammer out a bunch, you know the high hit factor, you kind of get into a groove, you know, okay, this is the pace that I need to shoot at. These are the points that I need to hit tomorrow I'm going to go into the match and do that exact thing. That's going to get into most people's heads pretty well. I know it for cert certainly it's gotten into my head in the past of, uh, you know, I know I did this in practice. I know exactly what it feels like. I know exactly what it should look like. And I'm going to go do it right now versus, you know, it's El Presidente. And I worked on some 10 yard shooting. Uh, I worked on some reloads yesterday and I'm, I'm feeling pretty tuned up on that stuff, feeling comfortable. Um, I think having a, you know, like Joel saying, having a vague sense of like, I feel good on these skills versus I'm just going to hammer this exact stage. Cause like I've been doing, I think, uh, I think that's a better way to approach it. I want to say something. So let's say you set up El Prez, um, mm -hmm. and you set him up and you, you do what Cody did. You pull up the tape measure and there, those targets are a, a yard apart and they're exactly 10 yards from your line that you're standing behind. 
everything's square and straight up and your targets are all good, you know, and the shoulders are at five feet. Now you get out to the match and a guy that's setting that classifier up, if, if you're lucky, he's trying to do it accurately, but he's not probably going to the trouble that you went to. And then that that right target might be leaning just a little bit, right? Or or even worse, right? I mean, you're like, I'm sure that that uh, left target's more than a yard from the middle target. You know what I mean? And then that gets in your head. You know, I mean, there's a lot of things that like that stuff got in my head when I first started because I did do some of that stuff. Like I would try to do make sure these targets were yard apart because I would try to measure the metric or trying to measure my uh, transitions between them. And then you go out and you see these classifiers, and I've seen some classifiers that were weren't even close to being correct. You know what I mean? So yep. um, your best bet is to practice the the skills and get good at reloads, get get good at transitions versus uh, doing what you guys were saying, getting so familiar with it that you actually get complacent with it. You know, if it if you don't notice it being set up incorrectly, you know what I mean? So if it's set yeah. up just right, now you're complacent. I've been doing it. Okay, I know the problem. And you don't visualize. So... I was a little nervous when I first started about the order of stuff, you know, because you're new and it's kind of hard to string, you know, seven shot or seven targets, 12 shots, whatever it may be together in a certain order and, and, and memorize that and kind of execute mm -hmm. it. So, I mean, that's something else you could practice, but that's a, you know, we've all done that drill. I don't remember where it came from, but I think we all kind of stumbled on it about the same time, you know, a year or two ago where we would set up and I still do it uh, in dry fire and live fire, set up something, Visualize it for, you know, 20, 30 seconds, shoot it. I might shoot it twice and then I change it. You know what I mean? And that helps yep. you get that memorization down. Also, one last thing about this, the best, the best teacher is going to be experience. So if you're a guy that's just new to the sport and you're trying to level up, man, you're probably just not going to do it without the right experience. Just grinding through it. And if you yeah. do, there's something to, you know, there's things where people come out and they get lucky and, they do really well and they don't have to fight for it and struggle through it. And those people usually don't um, appreciate, appreciate it and they don't fight for it. And you know, there's, there's studies that when <laughs> this is a uh, kind of the natural talent thing, but there's studies, <laughs> there's Tell studies, me more, Jason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cody and I've had a long conversation a couple of days ago about this. Um, but there's studies that, you get students that, um, for some reason, for whatever reason, take to it very quickly, whatever the, this, the thing may be, violin. And then other students have to kind of struggle through to get, to get, get it going. Mm -hmm. And there's some studies and stuff that show that a lot of times the people that had to kind of struggle through it end up further down the road as time goes on. So anyways, think of it that way in a positive manner and don't, don't beat yourself up. And, and really try to um, go for a classification that your skill doesn't uh, can't back up. Oh, I agree. Um, and now I think about like even today I might set up a classifier, but not for the the purpose of doing better to match, but for understanding the scoring. And I I don't know if you guys have watched on Training Group. There's a, a classifier series. Ben and Kim both have classifiers. Like they posted where they break down what's what is a you know what is the desired hit factor to have 100 percent on this. And then it's kind of like, what skills do you need? Uh, what do the numbers look like to be competitive with where other people are? I like that as kind of a separate challenge, but kind of removed from me shooting that exact classifier at a match. If that makes yeah, sense. I, no, I think it's, I mean, I think exactly what you're talking about is, I forgot exactly what the metaphor was that was in one of your guys' books. Uh, it was like building a better toolbox instead of whatever. Building a or, machine? Yeah, it, it's kind of like... Uh, you know, teaching yourself to fish instead of just have, going and buying a fish from the store. So if you teach yourself to fish, you teach yourself to 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 shoot like a GM, then you're going to end up with GM scores. Where if you're if your only goal is well, I'm going to go have GM scores, like you might be able to have a GM score in one specific classifier if the exact conditions are correct. Um, you could you could maybe pull that off, but really your best result is just like teach yourself to fish, like teach yourself to be a GM. And eventually, the the classification system work its work itself out. It will. It will work itself out. But that's easier said than done when you're in B class or in A class. Oh, dude! I mean, yeah. I, for for those who don't who aren't familiar, like I was, I was in M class for I think four years or something like that. Uh, 
somewhere in that some of that region. I was top 16 before I made before I made GM for like a full year before I made GM. Uh, so I was this person for a very long time. I was the guy who like that was that was it just eluded me entirely. And, uh, you know, you just you if you get good enough, you keep working. Um, it might take a lot longer than you want it to. It certainly did for me. Uh, but it's going to catch up with you eventually. Like there's people aren't in M class, uh, winning nationals. So like eventually, eventually it's going to catch up with you. If you get good enough, eventually it's going to happen. It's just, you know, maybe you need to just forget about, about that, that goal entirely in order for that goal to be achieved. Like put that goal aside and that goal has a way of kind of just working itself out. If your goal is to, you know, reach a higher classification. Yeah. Well, we talked about it. I've talked about it on some podcasts. I don't know which one it was. I thought it was this one. But after I made GM, I started hundoing classifiers left and right. Because and it was a regular stage? Was, is that it, why? Well it, was, well, it was regular stage. I knew I could. That was actually how I got there, too. I finally realized that, dude, you can. this is something you can do. You ain't got to try over try. You ain't got to try too hard. Just let it happen. And it, was, it started happening for me. And it's funny because I never – my first – Set my second USPSA match ever was a classifier match. I made master in that match. And halfway through that match, I, I, I shot two or three classifiers out of a six classifier match. I had one that uh, missed the reload because it was an old shadow. And that was before you had to, I knew to bend the spring leg. And so my mag, I pinned my mag in. So that, that, that killed me. But um, I was shooting a couple of them and I go, dude, you're being way too precautious for this. Just, you need to let it, you know, you need to be quit being so worried about your sight picture. And so I just kind of said, all right, let's, let's do it. And I basically relaxed and boom, made master. Same thing happened when I started shooting really good classifiers, started relaxing and it just started happening. And then once I made master, I was like, dude, these, it's like Cody said, if your skills there, you, you should be able to walk up to a classifier and eight times out of 10 shoot, a GM or close to a GM score on it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, my second class, my second match ever USPSA match ever was also a classifier match. And I made C class. Like I was like 58%. And I thought that was really lame. And I wanted to, uh, be a GM. So that was what made me decide to start practicing the sport a lot. Um, but I did not make M class in my first classifier match. Cause I'm not as naturally talented as Jason is at, at USPSA. So Jason, has shot guns his entire life, so I Jason have to. But Jason already knew how to shoot guns. I had shot guns most of my like since I was ten or something. Yeah, but, but I, I still started really out. Shot in, well, I started out in D class, bro. So I'm like, did you really? Ownership does not equate competency. Well, but you yes. know what? Yeah, you, you know what though. As far as that goes, I mean, how much of that? So let me backtrack real quickly a little bit. I had uh, I started out in US uh, IDPA, so I made. I want to say expert or sharpshooter. My first. Are you time, sure? Which is, are you sure you want to admit that in a public forum? I mean, Joel can like cut that part out of the podcast yeah. if you want. So I made like sharpshooter. I miss making it. So it's like novice something, then like sharpshooter, expert, and master. And I was like, I want to be a master. I was, and I was in the same boat. I want to be a master. I knew I wasn't at the master level necessarily, but I was like, well, if I make master and I know how much more room I've got to improve, I'm going to be really good once I you know keep improving. So. I, I, but I, but what, the reason what I'm saying is, is maybe you making and a lot of people, again, is they're too nervous, they're too scared, and they're trying too dang dang hard, and so that right there is gonna just kill your any skill you actually do have. So once I figured that out, and I ended up making master in the IDPA, I had always heard I shot like one match uh, in USPSA, and I was like, okay, this is where I need to be. This is what I want to do, and um, I had heard that if you're a master. I had been shooting you uh, IDPA for maybe six months. Uh, if you're a master in IDPA, you're a B class in USPSA. So I was like, well, I'm better than, than most people in my mind. Right. So I was like, I want to make, <laughs> I want to make, just, just in general. Make, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just in life. I mean, not at shooting, yeah. but I'm a better person. Like I'm better than these people. Um, so I wanted to make a class. And so that was my goal. I just did. And you know, like I said, I was, I was shooting it and I was tensed up and I had realized what was going on. I said, dude, just relax, quit over confirming so much, trying to get that perfect sight picture and just kind of. I'm very careful to what I say because if I say what I is in my mind, people are, oh, well, he said let it rip. So now I got to go out and let it rip. No. But you were you gotta, a turtle. You, you yeah, needed a, 
You needed yeah. a kick to move you along. Yeah. So, anyways, um, I don't even remember where you got it, but yeah, I wouldn't. It's easier said than done, though. I mean, people out there, and I don't blame them. Um, I think the struggle makes you better, anyway. So, um, I don't know. I don't know if we said anything valuable in this forty-five minutes of talking. <laughs> uh, well, I've got kind of in closing things that could maybe go wrong. I have two very specific things that I think would help most people. Uh, one, like we kind of already talked about, is the overtry. Because there were a lot of classifiers if I would have shot comfortably at whatever comfortably meant. It doesn't matter if I was in BM or GM. Comfortably would have given me a lot better score than trying to use the force and going warp speed and trying to fling bullets or something because that ended in disaster. Uh, so not overtrying and just... Like, I can't trust my perception of time. Just shoot the targets, which, again, it's very tough to do. Um, but I think that was huge. And the other thing is, I say, I'll say, myself included, most people lack awareness for where things could go wrong. It, they're just oblivious to it. So easy ones that maybe people have that would be really common. Uh, Jason, we've talked about before, or slaying zombies, uh, bang and clang. So it's a, a classifier with two big poppers. Uh, a, a full USPSA target and then two more pop, two more large poppers on the right side. So you've got five targets. And so if I walk up to that stage, like I need to have the awareness to know, like for me, Joel, what is likely to go wrong? And for me, when I come off the paper, I am want to just like throw the gun at the popper, fire a hoper, like a real fast split and then split fast to the last target. So like for me, when I come off the paper, I have to set very specific rules. Otherwise, I am going to have problems. doesn't matter what the classification is. What do I have to do? Eyes have to go there first, and I have to have the visual patience for the front sight to make it to that popper, and I have to see at least the color of the fiber on that popper before I press the trigger. I can't throw the gun and fire a hoper. That is going to be a problem. Or another classifier, uh, an easy one that most people have seen is paper poppers, where there's you shoot two paper targets. Well, it's, it's up to the order. Most people, you shoot two paper targets, load, and then you've got, I think it's six large poppers side by side. And of course, everyone wants to just go ding, 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 and just watch them all fall down because it looks really cool on Instagram, of course. Well, me personally, like me, I know that if I shift my, vi my vision has to stay on the popper, and then I'm going to do target focus, my eyes look at the popper, front sight's blurry, and as long as I see fiber, I see like we call a confirmation two on those poppers. I press the trigger. I know I'm good to go. If I shift my vision back to the front sight, if I lose that, I am going to have problems. Some point I might get like three targets in and my vision, like cool, man, this is going awesome. I start to think about it. Vision comes back to my front sight. It's down the toilet. Yeah. But like that, that might not be the same for you guys. And I no, think that's just, really important to have the awareness. Yeah. Ahead, just, no, just to hammer that point home, uh, I mean, th this happens for me, like, just about having a deep understanding of what the risk is when you shoot a stage, just in general, doesn't even have to be a classifier. Like, for, like Joel, Joel's talking about, I walk up to, like, an easy stage, like a quote-unquote easy stage, like a really fast hoser stage. Those scare the shit out of me. I'm going to swear because I'm allowed to on this podcast. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> uh, like, a, 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 cl a close, fast hoser stage scares the shit out of me because I know I'm good at that. But I also know that I am prone to going too hard and having misses. So, like for me, I look at that stage and like, and a lot of the a lot of classifiers are those types of stages. So I look at it, and I'm like, oh god, like this is stuff that I need that I'm going to hammer really hard because I need to to have a good score. But I'm also terrified because I know like I'm prone to pull off targets. I'm prone to throw one over the shoulder because I'm not letting the sight return, like things like that. So I'm aware of the, all the things that can go wrong. And so when I'm visualizing the stage, like for, for me on those types of things, it's like, just be relaxed, just shoot, you know, at a relaxed pace, just, uh, you know, stay target focused, stay, you know, stay disciplined. Those are the things I'm thinking about rather than like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to hammer this thing and knock it out of the park. It's going to be awesome. Everybody's going to cheer at when I, when I finish shooting, because yeah. I know, I know the risk is like if if I go too hard, like this isn't this isn't gonna go well. So I need to really like pull myself back because I'm aware of what my own shooting looks like and uh, the thing the mistakes that I'm likely to make. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or we talked about I mean not even fast shooting like we talked about the 
for this day. When I'm shooting that tuxedo, man, it seems like it's in slow motion, <laughs> like waiting for the front sight to recover. And it's I see the I see the front sight through the rear notch and I'm gently pressing the trigger. Man, that takes forever. So I'm like, man, if I could just clamp down my firing hand a little bit, maybe and speed this up, maybe shoot where it's not quite in the notch. Like, nope, that's not going to be a good thing. It's like, I will force myself front sight. You have to see it through the fiber or through the rear notch. I'm sorry. And then I have to like not adjust my grip, like just shoot the gun straight. So, yeah. And that's, yeah. that's another one, like, uh, setting that one up in like, that's, that's one that I, I liked setting up in practice because that's one where I find out when I shoot that one, like the time is irrelevant to me. Like, like I cannot shoot that classifier slow enough where it's not going to be a GM score. If I hit everything, like, Physically, like that's how like my my shooting pace. I cannot like unless I deliberately shoot too slow. I cannot shoot that too slow to not get a GM score. So like it does not matter yeah. how fast I I pull the trigger. Like just see the see the sights where they need to be. Push the trigger straight back. You know, just do the gun handling reasonably well. Don't like throw throw a mag over your shoulder. Um, and everything else is is going to be good. So like again, knowing what those points are of like going too slow is not a risk here. Just hit. The target is the only thing that matters, and it's going to go well. I like it. Well, guys, I've got a lot more to talk about, but I've got to hit the paywall button at some point. So, oh, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, we will continue this conversation in just a minute. Welcome back. I am still sitting down with Cody and Jason, guys. Uh, I've got a relevant topic to uh, time of year. So right now, where I'm at, well, where Cody and I are at, there's still snow on the ground. And uh, I don't know that I can even get to the shooting range if I wanted to because it's a mud mess, I suspect. But, you know, like I've had an off season. Um, maybe you've had a month away, a couple weeks away. But it's time to start training again. So that's what I want to talk about um, and what that looks like to you guys. How, you know, Cody, you're probably already dry firing five or six hours a day. Uh, your first week back, I suspect, for maybe sure. Fifteen minutes. What does what does that look like for you guys? Like, what is how do you start up the season? Cody, you want to go first? Sure. Uh, so nationals at the end was at the end of October uh, for me, um, and basically after nationals, I I got home. I think there was actually even a week where I didn't take my guns out of my suitcase. Like they were still in my lockbox in my suitcase, and then finally I took them out of the suitcase and put them in the safe, uh, and then there they sat for about two months. I didn't, I didn't touch my, my competition guns for basically two full months after nationals. Didn't do any dry fire, any live fire, nothing. Didn't again, didn't even clean them. Uh, then last week in, in December, first week in January, I just, I started dry firing again. Like Joel said, we've had a particularly, uh, unkind winter this year in Nebraska. And so there really hasn't been a lot of good time to be able to live fire. Uh, also, uh, I, like most people am somewhat constrained on ammo for this year. I'm in a lot better position than most, but, uh, I still don't have as much ammo as I normally shoot. So, uh, I was, I was able to look at kind of how much I normally shoot. It's like, okay, if I just start shooting later this year, boom, there's like 10,000, 10,000 rounds that I normally shoot right off, right off the top, just gone. And then, I, and then that's less that I have to ration through my training and matches throughout the rest of the year. So I intentionally push back how far how how long is going to wait to start shooting anyway because of the the ammo situation and uh the, the kind of way the season's looking um so for right now what my schedule looks like ever since january is at least four days a week of dry fire anywhere from 15 to about 25 30 minutes a day uh once once a day for four days a week and uh, that's that's kind of what my what my routine is at the moment and has been for the last you know two months I like it. Jason, how do you start back? Um, pretty much the same way. I mean, I had a dislocated shoulder last year, so I've taken off. I I looked at the calendar. I, I went 16 weeks without touching a gun. Yeah, where, where, what is, what, what is the deal with your shoulder pain, by the way? Uh, is it like a rotator cuff or is it like? It's, so the shoulder popped out and it came back and it gave me, there was a couple of lesions when things banged together. And then the long head bicep tendon, um, has tendonopathy or whatever, but it's still, 
I mean, it's and I've been doing just you know physical therapy exercise, so it's not the rotator cuff; it's more okay. like the labrum. Like like is it, so it's like the front of your shoulder more, yep. like like yeah. where your bicep ties in. Well, yeah, that's... but up but up high, yeah, uh, like under the clavicle. Okay. So yeah, and it's um pretty pretty painful. Uh, it's getting better. Uh, the 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 uh, what do you call it? The PTs helped a lot. Um, I also think cutting back on like sugars helped with inflammation, but uh, sure. Um, I mean, I haven't really cut back on sugar. <laughs> when I do, cut, <laughs> <laughs> when I do cut back on sugar, it feels a little bit better almost immediately. Like one day without like sugar, the next day I can feel it. Feel it feels better. But, so, anyways, but if you eat a candy bar, you feel better immediately. Yeah. Like in yeah. that moment. So. Right. Only if it's a Snickers. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, so I've taken sixteen weeks off. And so I guess last week's when I first started back with really with the dry fire. I mean, there was a time or two where um, about a month ago, I may have put the belt on and dry fired a little bit. And I'm talking a few draws, just trying to test things out. So I'm still trying to go slow with that, not trying to re-agitate the um, because that draw motion kind of. Kind of agitated. So I'm also agitates that uh, that area. So I'm kind of working on my draw, trying to do it with um still do it fat. Like this morning, I was really trying to focus on still doing it, you know, quick and efficient and fast, but not tensing up and like jerking it out. It's really, it's, it's really interesting. So, uh, I, I too, I'm dry firing for about 20 minutes to 30 minutes a day, um, four to five days a week. I haven't uh, live fired. Uh, I have went and shot twice. Um, I took a buddy out shooting and then I went and shot one time. But uh, this weekend, I'm I'm hoping to get out. We we just got out of the same blizzard that y'all are uh, got got, but uh, it's 60 degrees here now. So, oh, um, yeah. So I'm gonna go out this weekend and shoot. But um, the the thing that I've noticed um, is if you rush back into it, you'll get if you have ever had any um, tendonitis in your elbow, shooter's elbow, or whatever you want to call it, it that's a, seems to be an instant uh, way to flare that back up if you start gripping the gun super hard for an hour a day. You know what I mean? For me at least. So um trying to manage my left elbow and my right shoulder and um just kind of ease back into it. Oh I gotcha. Uh I think I'm doing similar to what you guys are doing. I you know took time off and then I kind of start back with honestly the limiting factor for a couple of weeks is how hard I can grip the pistol with my support hand. Because I feel like just like those muscles I guess I don't use or whatever, but I I feel like I can't grip the gun as hard as I should be using or as I should be. And uh, then at some point my hands are getting tired. They're getting chewed up. They're not like, they're not feeling used to the wear and tear, I suppose. So it's like the checkering on the, on the tan folios is pretty sharp, I suppose across the front strap of the gun. So uh, for me, probably a couple weeks, just kind of when my hands start to hurt or I feel like my hands are getting tired kind of when I call it. So that could be 10 minutes to probably 30 minutes, something like that for the first couple weeks. Um, what do you guys use for a focus when you're like, when you're starting out, is it like just everything? Are you looking at a specific skill that you struggled with last year that you want to attack right away? Like Jason, kick it to you first. What does that look like for you? Um, the first two things I work on and the only things I've really worked on have been trigger control, which I always kind of include trigger control into the grip. So that whole process of gripping the gun, right. And then having uh, a good trigger pull. So trigger control at speed drill and then transitions. That's all I'm focusing on right now. Um, I, last week I did do a day where I threw in some, uh, I, well, yeah, it might've been the week before last. I was thinking about shooting production nationals. So I was like, let's, let's throw it, let's get these reloads going. And so um, I did that, but uh, I haven't done any of those last week or this week, so that might have been the week before last. But anyways, um, so for me, it's just the um, I'm really focusing on the fundamentals. And so to me, the the, the most important fundamentals is, um, at least for where I'm at, is trigger control and grip and then transitions. I'm really trying to, because it, I'm just starting off trying to get those things solid. Um, and I think everything goes from there. I don't want to be fighting that three months from now makes sense uh cody what about you yeah so i took some time over the time i wasn't shooting to watch videos of myself and kind of analyze uh some big picture things that i might want to change so uh i guess broad strokes like 
I don't think that during the season, especially like, you know, lead up to a national something like that, you're not really gonna be able to change your grip or the way you focus on the sides or your transition. Like you're not gonna be able to change anything kind of at the end of the season as you're, as you're kind of ramping up to, to a big match. Um, so I think this time of year when you're first getting back into things is the time where if there's some major change you want to make in your technique, like now, now is the time to do it. Like there really isn't time, a better time to do those things than now. Uh, so the things that I identified that I wanted to change was, uh, basically the way I move, uh, just, just like a minor thing. So the way that I like my shooting stance, um, and this really, this actually came more from the gym and it transfers over into my shooting. Like when I, when I squat on any kind of squatting exercise at the gym, uh, I don't really bring my knees forward. I've got bad ankle mobility. So my knees don't come forward enough. And so my, my quads don't activate enough, uh, which has caused some like knee problems for me. So I've been working on fixing that in the gym. And then that, I realized watching my videos, like when I shoot on the move, the way, I, the way my stance is, um, I'm doing the same thing. I was just kind of generally the, the way that, that I move my body is I don't really bend my knees very much. Uh, I don't like my knees don't come forward when I'm doing really anything. My knees basically, or my lower leg stays straight up and down and I push my hips back, basically stick my butt out. And that's kind of, that's how I move. That's how my shooting on the move looks. And I don't think that's ideal, particularly for shooting, particularly for shooting on the move. I would rather have my knees come forward more and be, keep my torso more upright instead of having, because as your hips come further back, your torso has to lean forward more to compensate. Um, and I would rather have my knees come forward more so that my torso can stay more upright when I'm doing things. Um, so that way when I'm shooting on the move, I'm not like leaned way forward. Uh, I can kind of, keep a more natural upper body position, whether it's shooting on the move or setting up in a position. Um, so that's something like, that's a very fundamental thing that's difficult to change because it's a very like macro thing. So I'm not gonna be able to do that during the year. Like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change the way my physiology works. Like it, it, it's a very difficult thing. So like I'm doing very specific drills to drill in the way that I'm moving, the way that I'm standing when I'm shooting. And uh, we'll see if I can actually, you know, commit to, to making that change or not, we'll see. Uh, another thing, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's something that gets talked about a lot on PSTG and other sources, uh, which is target focused shooting. Um, I think I've kind of always to some degree shot target focused, but I never really made a point of like trying to shoot target focus. It's just kind of something that happens that I've done for a long time, just naturally. And I've come to realize that maybe there are some times where I'm shifting more towards my front sight just naturally again, cause it's just, I'm just, I just, I just kind of do what's natural to me. So, uh, one thing I'm focusing on this off season is really making sure that I'm staying target focused all the time. So really like really paying attention to that in a way that I never have before. And I realized I, I was shifting my vision back to my front sight a little bit more than I realized, but I was still mostly target focused, but again, staying hundred percent target focused all the time. That's another thing. Like I am ingraining that. That's a very fundamental thing. It's not an easy thing to do. It's, it's something that, like, you know, under pressure, you're going to revert back to what feels natural. So doing it this time of year when there's no pressure, like I am very, uh, very focused on that. And something that like I can really cue in on of like, I just, I want to say target focus. If I find myself shifting back to the front site, I can, you know, kind of calm myself out for it fix it and don't do it the next time. And then the third thing that I just recently, um, came across that I wanted to change was my grip. So like I got <laughs> grip movement vision i have like major, major. things yeah, yeah ma <laughs> major things that i'm changing and rebuilding uh in kind of all all the phases of the game um because you know i feel like there are better ways to do each of those things so like for grip it was something that i previously experimented with uh i think in 2019 after watching some of uh, juan six videos on on the site uh about grip which was i wanted to have more front to back pressure but i never really found a good way of implementing it that it didn't really like hearing him explain it. It just never quite clicked for me. Like I, I, I knew what the goal was. Like I want more front to back pressure on the grip, but like, how do I do that? So playing around with it just like a week or two ago, I figured out that all I, all I really needed to do was just change my focus of just from gripping, like just grip as hard as you can to uh, changing to basically my first knuckle. So like my, my left hand, I wear, I wear a wedding ring. So, but not when I'm shooting, but imagine if I was wearing my wedding ring, basically think of pushing my wedding ring into my wedding ring and, you know, the surrounding knuckles is 
that part of the, of the knuckles, push those knuckles into my shooting, into my uh, right hand. I push those knuckles into, into my sport hand instead of pushing my fingertips in. Uh, that is basically creates that front to back pressure. And then my right hand basically is doing the same thing. So it's, it's driving my power and my grip pressure from my, my lower knuckles instead of my fingertips, instead of just grabbing the normal way. Cause the, to me, the normal way of grabbing something is you're, you're more fingertip focused. Like you're, you're putting pressure on with, with your fingertips. Like you make a fist When you make a fist, your, your fingertips are pushing into your hand and that's what you're doing versus you take those, those, that first knuckle area again, where your rings would go. If, if you're wearing, if you wear rings or even if you're not wearing rings, but where your rings would go, you basically push that into the gun as hard as you can. Uh, that creates, that is, is a really natural way of creating that front to back pressure. And, uh, I like it. I think that was kind of what I was doing when I was trying to experiment with that before. But again, it just didn't really make sense to me. And then I had a really bad bout of tendonitis last year. So like I was trying to survive when I, when I held the gun, uh, I did a bunch of, a bunch of work to kind of get through that. My tendonitis isn't really a problem anymore. So like I'm, I'm back to really focusing on the fundamentals of how I'm gripping the gun. I really like that. Uh, I, I was messaging with, uh, with Mason a little bit and Mason's like, yeah, that's like, duh. Like that's how you, that's how you do it. I'm like, he's like, that's, that's how I teach it in the class. Like, of course you, you're supposed to grip in the way that, that I just described. Like, of course you're supposed to do that. Uh, <laughs> And so, so I'm like, okay, I'm onto something here. Like that's, that's the way to do it. But again, I just never heard it described in, in a way that really made sense to me. And once I figured that out, I'm like, okay, like, this is, this is how I grip now. Like, this is what I'm going to do. So again, like fundamentally changing the way I'm gripping, fundamentally changing the way that I'm looking at the targets and fundamentally changing the way that I'm moving. Like that's, that takes up all my time. Like, I got no time for, for anything else, any other focuses. So you're like getting, you're like getting to work right away. You are jumping in head first on. Oh yeah making changes. Oh yeah. Okay. I mean, well, I got, so, so like once I get through, I'm sorry, once I get through like my kind of reacquaintance phase is what I'm kind of thinking of it as I'm going to start working on some things too. Uh, I, I, I'm probably not going to work on my grip too much, but, um, but yeah, I, I think that's super interesting that you're just going to, you're just jumping right into it. You don't think you had a two or three week period where you were just kind of like, let me just get back to being familiar. Uh, I mean, and, and initially, like, just, yeah. it's like, yeah, I'm just going to do some draws and I'm going to do some reloads just to see what they feel like. Sure. There was maybe like a week or so there where it's like, it's just kind of getting used to the feeling of the gun again. But even then it was, I had kind of already done some homework again, the grip thing, kind of the grip revolution revelation kind of came later. Um, but the movement thing and the vision thing were kind of things that I already decided ahead of time. So even like at, during my kind of re- you know, my acclimation, my reacclimation phase, I was still thinking like, okay, I'm going to work on my draw, but I'm going to work on making sure I'm hundred percent target focused the entire time. Like seeing, seeing the sights of my peripheral vision and like, but so I have multiple kind of cues that I'm working on at the same time. I'm working on staying target focused. Uh, but I'm also working on kind of getting my draw to where it was before and just kind of getting comfortable with drawing again. So, but no, I like, I, I think diving in with both feet, uh, cause I'm not diving in both feet of like, let me set, you know, PR El Presidente times or like do something, some crazy four or something like that. I, I'm jumping in with focus of things that like, I don't have to go fast. I don't have to like push myself to, to think about those things. Like those are like, those are fundamental things that I'm working on kind of breaking down and rebuilding rather than, uh, it's not like, a you know, I'm, I'm peaking. I'm like really ready to go for a match. It's like, this is, this is the time to do it, uh, to jump in on things that you want to change because this is the time where you're kind of coming at it with fresh eyes, uh, and you're able to kind of rebuild things from, from a new, uh, with a new perspective. And, uh, like what drills I'm doing is kind of irrelevant. Like I'm doing whatever drills I'm doing, I'm doing it with those kind of three things in mind, depending on what drill I'm doing. So, uh, I am kind of doing the same drills that I would normally do, but the, the focus is, is what's changed. I like that. Uh, yeah, I think mine would be like, my experience would be pretty similar to what you guys are saying. I probably go a couple weeks where I, what the drill is, doesn't really matter. It'll just be like draw and shoot some stuff, load and shoot some stuff again. And then kind of just like what you're saying, getting reacquainted with hanging on to the gun, making sure after I load the gun, I hold onto it hard again. Uh, gun handling, all that stuff, kind of just 
observing, I suppose, uh, what's going on and then looking at anything that I think I have issues with. Or even earlier today, I was like, oh, I got some time after work. I'm dry firing a little bit. And I noticed, oh, it seems like when I'm shooting really, really hard targets, it might shifting my vision back to my front side a little bit. Just kind of observing just kind of what's going on. And then uh, kind of, I think, working on a game plan from there of kind of what do I see as takeaways? What did I remember that I had problems with last year? And, uh, you know, what what's going on that's, that needs to get addressed right now that I'm noticing today in my training also? Yeah. Um, so what does you guys all starting? It sounds like more or less to your regular schedule right off the bat. So more or less like the four to five days a week, probably is fair. Something like that. No, that's, I mean, for me, that's low. Like this is, this is still a, a like kind of easing back into things training schedule because like four days a week is for me is very easy and sustain and sustainable. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't really put me out at all. Like I don't, I don't get bored. I don't get, I don't feel like I'm having to not do other things to dry fire or train, especially when I'm not live firing. Um, so for me, again, it's kind of that like coasting, like just, just a comfortable, easy pace of, of what I'm in terms of how much practice I'm doing mm-hmm. where I'm a person. Uh, I, I think it was whatever. When, when is this podcast going to come out? I don't know. Another week. I don't know. I don't know. It was whenever Mason, I don't know. Whenever, whenever Mason was on, Mason alluded to it, uh, <laughs> and I and I I, uh, I messaged him, called him out. He 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 mentioned uh, that I am a person. He didn't mention me by name, but he was alluding to me that I'm a person who like just loves to just do more training, like just yes, do as much as do. possible. Uh, so I I like I like to push myself to where I like I'm doing so much training that I'm uncomfortable with it. Like I, I like to make myself like not, not necessarily love going to the range because I'm going to the range so much, not necessarily love dry firing. Cause I'm dry firing so much because, uh, because I like the results of doing well in matches and I like the results of being good at shooting. And that's the thing that I have found that it makes me the best is, uh, doing more and working harder and, uh, you know, focusing while I'm doing those things, but like doing more is something that I like to do. So no, this time of year, I'm not like pushing myself to where I'm burning out. Uh, you know, it's really not a strain on me. I got to, this is a very kind of easy, calm schedule for me. And then as the year goes on, as I get closer to things that I care about, then that's when I'll start ramping up, you know, shooting more, dry firing more and, uh, and really feel like I'm, I'm tuned up at that point. Jason, do you go back full steam ahead or is it a relaxed schedule at first? It's uh, it's a little more relaxed. I, to be honest with myself, I didn't really. I would not consider myself as someone who put in a lot of practice last year. Now I did more than your average person, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But, you know, last year I would say I was dry firing five days a week, uh, for thirty to forty five minutes a day, maybe, and then uh, live firing, once to twice a week. I don't know if that sounds like a lot. That doesn't sound. That's like a lot, lot for most people. I yeah, think. that's yes. or, that's that's a lot, Jason. Okay, okay. Well, then that's then I feel better because like I was kind of like, like, dude, you're you got to step this up. No, that's you know, a lot. Year. Okay, then maybe I do. But no, I'm I'm doing like this week. I'll probably get five days in this week, and then I'll probably live fire once. So uh, I, for the first week or two, uh, I was probably taking it easy, and um, I'm more of the do it more times a week. And if you need to cut back on it, make those, those intervals of, you know, instead of doing 45 minutes a day, five days a week, do 15 minutes a day, five days a week. There's a certain amount of time where you're, it's like anything else. You're not really even primed or ready or warmed up. So, I mean, if you just Mm -hmm. put your belt on and then you dry fire for five minutes, is that enough time? You know, I feel like 20 minutes is the minimum you need to really and I don't draw and dry fire and practice for straight 20 minutes. I'll do, I'll set up something and I'll do it three times. Uh, and I'll kind of, you know, do it once, assess it, do it again, assess it. And then after the third time, I'll kind of step away for a minute or so and re- relax my arms, rest my arms and stuff like that. Do it, do something, do it in a different order. And then I'll change some targets up. So, you know, you, you're there for 30 minutes to 45 minutes and, you're probably getting 30, you know, uh, 80% of that actual time in doing something. It, it actually probably less than that. Cause when you think about it, your drills are really only taking you five or six seconds and you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you got to no, make it. You know, yeah. So anyways, so 
but to answer your question, I am getting back to, I'm going to try to start ramping it up because like I said, I've taken so much time off. Um, I want to get going. When's your, when's your first match, Jason? Uh, it depends. My first match that I'm actually signed up for, I don't think I'm going to be able to shoot. And that's next month. It's about a month away. And then the, the next, if so, if I don't shoot that, the first match will be June. If I shoot that one. <laughs> Got it. No, so what I'm hearing is both you guys are a couple weeks to get into it, and then you guys are back on the training thing. Cody, are like, you coming back down much... to Ozark? I'm sorry, Joel. No, no, you're good. No, I'm not. Okay. All right. All right. You must not be either, right? I'm signed up for it. I don't know if I'm going to be able to shoot it, though. Isn't that like the end of March? Yeah. Okay, so that would be your first match, right? In like, if, I, if I shoot it. In yeah. a month? In a month. <laughs> No, I'm not. That's uh, yeah. That's that's not a good time for me. Yeah. So with ammo things being the way they are, uh, when do you guys start live firing then in relation to your match? Is it a couple weeks out, a month out? Are you gonna start shooting once the ground thaws, so to speak, and it's warm enough to be outside? Are you guys gonna start shooting, or are you holding off a ways? I'm going. I'm going. I'm trying to go to the range this weekend, and I'm gonna try to get in a full session. Right now. I'm going to go ahead and just train this year like it's any other year and then hope I come across some more primers. Do you, I've got enough to make it through this year. So so you, you have enough for, for your normal amount for the year? Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah, my, my position, I normally, the last few years, I've shot like 40,000 rounds every year. Uh, and right now I'm sitting on between loaded ammo and primers. I think I've got 21 or 22,000 rounds. So like I, like I already mentioned, uh, this time, like this day last year, I'd already shot 6,000 rounds. So I've not shot any rounds yet. So boom, there's 6,000 rounds right off the top that I don't have to worry about. Uh, so I'm planning on, if, if the weather continues to look like it is right now, uh, I, might, I might go back into like maybe once a week for a little bit. Again, kind of just that coasting, easy schedule um, with just a little bit of live fire thrown in. Uh, but same thing, Jason, like what I have... Uh, I'm going to shoot like I'm going to shoot as though next year is no concern. Like next year we'll be able to figure it out. What I have is, you know, for this season. And if, if that means that next season I don't get to shoot, then we'll, we'll figure that out then. But I, I suspect that by the end of this year, things will at least look different and in some way better than they currently look. Uh, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm pushing off shooting a little bit longer and once I do start shooting, I'm planning on shooting less, um, you know, less per, per session, probably less overall, and uh, and being more focused on what I'm doing. Uh, but yeah, that's it. I like it. Well, guys, this has been very helpful. Uh, definitely some things to think about. Uh, train group members, if you guys have questions, both of these dudes are on training groups. So you can leave your questions below. Cody, if people like listening to the sound of your voice and they want to hear more from you, where could they possibly go to do that? Well, they can listen to old episodes of the shoot fast podcast. Uh, they, where they also would get to listen to your voice as well. Oh boy. Um, probably they already know that if they're listening to this Possible. Um, and new episodes, we'll, we'll see. Cool. Yes. Uh, well guys, thank you for coming on. I do appreciate it. And uh, if you guys have questions, leave them below. Thank you for listening to Training Group Live. Stay up to date at practicalshootingtraininggroup.com or pstg.us for short. If you have a question or a comment, head to the Training Group Live section of the forum. Remember, the best questions turn into show topics. If you aren't a member of PSTG, we hope today is the day we earn your subscription. And with that, train frequently, train hard, but most of all, train smart.